Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. It's great to see everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, this is our last Sunday of 2022. What? Isn't that crazy? Just the way the calendar played out. Uh, this Saturday, we have our candlelight service. So Saturday, we'll have service, of course. So this weekend, we're coming up, we have service. But then Sunday, we'll be online. We're doing a communion service online for Christmas Day. And then New Year's Day uh, will be 2023. So this is crazy to me. This is our last Sunday. Here we go. Aw. It's a great year, though, wasn't it? It's a good year. We're going to finish strong, yes? yes? Are you ready for the message? Yes. I, I want to get into this one. We're talking about peace today. All I want for Christmas is peace. We talked about joy, talked about hope. And now I'm going to talk about peace because I believe one of the greatest needs in our area is peace. The opposite of peace is fear, anxiety. Man, if you saw the graphs that I was looking at this week about how it has skyrocketed the last few years. Man, we need peace. Let's start with prayer today. Does that sound good? We bow your heads. God, we come before you. And we just simply say, we need you. Oh, we need the Prince of Peace to come rule and reign in our lives, to drive out the things that make us anxious, to take the seed of the things that have been sitting there and tormenting us. Oh, God, would you meet us here today? God, I pray my words would fall to the floor, and God, that your words would soar. Oh, God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? Amen. I got three simple points today. The peace promise, the peace problem, and then the peace solution. I'm not coming just with problems today. I'm coming with solutions, all right? Uh, I got two verses I want to read to you, uh, two different parts of the Bible. One is about Jesus' birth, and the one is about his death. And I want, to see you, uh, I want to show you an amazing connection. You ready? Luke 2 says this. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock uh, by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not be afraid. afraid. Turn to your second choice and say, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I already said it. I always love the second choice one because the person's like, I really was your second choice. (laughs) Well, well, it's going to be awkward for the rest of the service. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So much pressure. Who do I pick? All the the people are like, do not be afraid. Behind me, do not be afraid. I turn to everybody. Um, I want to catch real quick. Sadness is permitted in the Bible. Be sad. Bible it says that Jesus is a man of sorrows. Bible says mourn with those who mourn. It almost encourages us to process our sadness because when you mourn things, it doesn't sit in your system. It digests and has you understand what is happening. I am sad over something that shouldn't have been, but sin brought in this world and got. I mourn over it, but as I mourn, I start to understand that this isn't where it ends. This is a comma, not a period. So mourning is a digestive thing that helps us not stay in a place, but helps us understand, man, there is sickness and sorrow still, but God's glory and goodness is coming. Fear, though, no permitting in the Bible. Bible does not permit you to be afraid. Bible does not, there's, no, there's not one minute where God's like, you know what? Be afraid. Be fearful. Because fear is not something that our soul can deal with. Fear is this thing that the Bible shows in different Greek pictures. One is that it's one that would choke out the life of you, where you wouldn't, couldn't even breathe anymore. Sound familiar to anxiety? Another thing it says that fear does is that literally it tears you to shreds. Picture like a, 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 like a lion ripping at something over and over again to just tear it to shreds. That's what fear does to your soul, just tears at your shreds. So, so right there, they're, they're afraid. And, and what is fear? Let's just define it real quick. Fear is assuming the worst will happen. 
Faith is assuming God's best will happen. As being a recovering hypochondriac, I know this. I, I'll have a pain in my calf. I'm like, blood clot. Because fear has me go to the worst case scenario. I'll have heartburn. I'm like, heart attack. Tell everybody I love them. I've been to the ER too many times. I, and now I'm better. I don't go as much anymore. Um, but, but like my, I remember when I started dating, like my shoulder hurt. ER. Like I was like, oh, my shoulder hurt. No, I just tore my shoulder uh, inner tubing on the water, but I thought I was having a heart attack. Anyways, fear has you go to those places. You start just meditating. What's the worst thing that could happen in this scenario? And then you build it. You start feeding it. It says, do not be afraid. Let's keep going. It says, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which to, will be to all people. For there is born to you the day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling's cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was uh, with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. I don't even know what that looked like. There was an angel, but then a whole host of like multiple, like, like, Okay, just like picture that saying that like, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Come on now. Um, so, so you have this promise right there. Jesus being born. Hey, don't be afraid. I got a good gift. You assume the worst. Well, you better start assuming the best now because I'm bringing good news. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. So, so peace is the proclamation that Jesus is coming to bring peace to this earth. Now, fast forward, let's fast forward to Jesus' death. In John 14, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's about to um, be crucified and die, and he's preparing them. And I've never saw this, but scholars tell you, when you read John 14, just don't read it like you're reading a chapter. Read it like somebody who's reading their last will and testament to you. Because when you, if you've ever been at a uh, will reading, the way that you usually read to Tyler Johnson, I leave the Mercedes-Benz or whatever it is, you know, to Tyler, I leave, you know, da, 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 to this person, I leave this. There's always like the, 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 the verbiage is always, I leave you this. I leave you the house. I leave you the house in Tahoe on the water. I leave you the, the I'm not saying all of my favorite things. <laughs> I'll leave you a big old church building. Come on now. I should have led with that, Caroline. Thank you. Something about that house in Tahoe on the water. I don't know. Yeah, that could be the satellite campus. Yeah. So, so, so catch this, catch this. We might have a campus in Tahoe one day, I don't know. Um, Napa for sure. Um, that was prophetic right there. Um, catch this real quick. Jesus is about to die. And he's trying to comfort his disciples, but also he's literally reading his will and testament. And he leaves them something in his will. He goes, here's what I'm going to leave you when I leave. I want you to catch this. this. This is an amazing moment. He says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do uh, happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the rule of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Stop. Can I read you one more translation? I'm gonna read you New King James. Let's go old school. You ready? Um, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Stop. Uh, you ever get a bad Christmas present before? 
Just a bad one. I'm talking bad, bad. Like, you're like, why would you get me this? You know, like, like do you not know me? So in our family, we got bad Christmas gift givers. Uh, some of my uncles, every Christmas, they would give me gifts. I'm like, have you ever talked to me? You know, I, I, like, this is not what I would want. So one Christmas, I'm 14 years old, and my Uncle Troy gets me a 40-ounce Heineken beer as my Christmas present. Okay? I open it up, and it's, I'm like, Troy, you know I'm 14, right? I don't even like beer. And my parents are like, how do you know you don't like beer? I just know I don't like it. And my mom's like, Troy, they, they, he's a kid. And he's like, oh, whatever. And you know like how like when you get it, when when this would happen all the time. Uh, and you know like when you get like a kid a gift and the parents play with a toy? Well, he got me that gift and then he played with that toy. I remember seeing him in the corner drinking my 40 ounce Heineken. He's like, Merry Christmas to me. I was like, what's going on right now? It's a terrible gift, yes? yes. Now, the worst one, I, I'll never forget it. It was one Christmas. My grandma loves um, like online shopping. Well, actually, it was TV shopping, like QVC. She was a big TV shopper. And so um, by the end of the year, she would run out of money. And the end of the year is Christmas time. And so you knew from grandma, your gifts were going to be very much lacking because she ran out of money because she bought a new Bose stereo on QVC or new pans that they told her that wouldn't stick, all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> and so this one Christmas, my grandma comes. She goes, okay, I got you all the same gift. So you have to open it together or else it won't be special. And so everybody's like counted to three, like, and we had, you know, um, my, my uh, grandma had, you know, five kids. So there was, you know, aunts and uncles everywhere. And then a bunch of, you know, uh, cousins. So there's about like 25, 30 people in the room. And we're like, oh my gosh, what is this special gift, you know? And so we all open it. One, two, three, we open it up. It's a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> she said, I just want to make sure I got you guys something you really needed. And we're like, somebody ran out of money this year and got everybody toilet paper. And I remember like laughing and my dad has no finesse and he's like, what is this? And he just chucked it. <laughs> Merry Christmas to nobody, you know? So every Christmas, if you knew the Johnsons, like there's always something that happens and there's some weird gift that somebody gets and it's just you get a bad gift, okay? Now, this whole thought of our series, All I Want for Christmas, and the title of this message is Peace, is that the world is terrible at giving you gifts. Come on. Way worse than my Uncle Troy. Way worse than my grandma. Oh, they're bad. Can I just tell you something? Let me just ask you a question, actually. When you watch the news, what does the news leave you with? The gift of peace or the gift of fear? Can I, can I, can I, I'm going to use a term. They have this new term. You, just so you, you probably know this. You know news isn't an information business anymore, right? It's for profit. Each station is trying to, basically it's affirmation on one side. You don't want to hear anything bad on the other side, so they're affirmation. But the other part they try to sell is fear. They even have a term. It's called panic porn. That literally, like, like, they try to create new panic that you would want to click to find out what's the next thing. Is it going to be okay? Is it going to be okay? Is it going to be okay? And the reality is, is that the news is selling fear, and that's the gift that the news gives you year after year. It's time for you to return to sender. How do you feel after you're on social media? What does social media leave you with? Leave you encouraged? Does it leave you with the gift of joy? You look at everybody's life, and you're like, I sure do feel great about mine. It leaves you just feeling great, right? No, these are the gifts the world gives. And we keep going back to those gift givers expecting something different. And then Jesus says, I come to give a different kind of gift, a gift of peace. Woo! And it's the thing. Can you imagine just waking up and just having this joy and peace unexplainable? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of what's going on. So what's the problem? Why don't we have that? Statistically, why don't we have that in droves? Why is it so, such a small number of people have peace? 
I want to show you the peace problem and why, why, why the, at least what the Bible shows us why we don't have peace. And if you want to have peace today, I'm going to show you this in just a second, but let's look at the peace problem. Uh, turn your Bible to Isaiah 9. It's a Christmas prophecy. It's one of my favorites. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Read the next one with me. Prince of Peace. Come on, now read it again. Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's army will make this happen. Stop. How do you expect to have peace when you've rejected the Prince of Peace? It's just not possible. Now, let me just say it this way. Um, when we get saved, boom, Jesus, I say yes to salvation. And I, I don't even want to talk about people who don't know the Lord. I want to talk about people who, in the house that you do know Jesus, but you actually haven't received him yet as the Lord of your life. Because when I got saved, I remember like I just didn't know like anything in the Bible. So I remember Drew and I got saved at church, like, you know, when we got saved within like the same few weeks. We go to school the next week. We come home for lunch. Drew and a bunch of buddies. They get out their, you know, marijuana. They start smoking marijuana, talking about, you know, Jesus and how much we love him now, you know. And, and Jesus like, yeah, man, this Jesus, he's amazing. And Drew's like smoking weed, telling everybody, you know. And uh, we're both dating our girlfriends. And, uh, you know, Drew's still sleeping around with his girlfriend. And, and like, this is, he just got saved. He has no idea what the Bible says about any of this stuff. Month in, Drew and I leave church. He's like, we're not allowed to do that anymore? And I was like, I guess not. I was like, first of all, I wasn't smoking weed. Hello, asthmatic. But, but, but you, you can't anymore. Lord said, I can still use my inhaler anytime I want. Um, and, but both of us were not honoring our girlfriends. And we remember being like, man, like, what, how do we do this? Like, what do, we got to go tell our girlfriends, like, we're only going to hold hands and just like, just like, goodnight kiss. And we're like, Phew. and like, I mean, again, being a high schooler, brand new to this, like, I mean, we were like, like digesting this for the very first time because the world had told us something completely different. And I remember even at that young age, we're saying, who's going to be in charge of us? Who's going to tell us no? And who's going to lead our life? Am I going to lead my life? Are my friends going to lead my life? And so we, for some reason, at a young age, we decided, man, if the Bible says it, we're going to do it. We both committed to his friends. Like, hey, if Jesus says, it, let's hold each other accountable. We signed up for our class, every man's battle. We're like, we're going to be the most, you know, we're going to live for the Lord. You know, we went to that class. We're like, we don't need to be in this class. Let's get out of here. Um, some stuff going down out there. Okay, anyways. Um, but we were like, we were down to, 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 to follow the Lord with everything he had. Now, let me, let me unpack this. Can I do some teaching? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so, so there's three types of cultures in our world. Mostly two. Um, one of them would be heterotonomous culture. It's a heterotonomous society. Let me put it that way. And, and what that is, it's uh, a small group of people lead everybody else. You'll find this type of culture in the Middle East. Uh, a small group of people decide how everybody else is supposed to live, what the law is, and if you don't do it, you're killed. So, so that's the way that the Middle East is led uh, by a heterotonomous culture. Small group leads everybody else. Now, in America, we have an autonomous culture. I lead myself. And if I don't like what you're doing, I'm going to vote you out because I'm in charge still. We're an autonomous culture. Whatever feels good to me is good to me. So we're an autonomous culture. Then there's another one, theonomous culture. Theonomous, theo meaning God, anonymous meaning law. It's the culture of God being in charge. We don't have that here on earth. And when Jesus came and he says, I've come to bring the kingdom of God 
and that you'd be citizens of heaven, that you'd be ambassadors of a new, a new, a new nation, that I'm creating a new nation, and you'd be new, a new people. What, what he was saying is, you're not going to be autonomous anymore. You're not going to be heterotonous anymore. You're going to be theonomous. And you are going to follow me. And when you follow me, there will be peace on earth. Yeah. There'll be peace in your heart. Now, let, let's, let's play this out practically real quick, just for yourself. Um, what does it look like uh, to reject uh, Jesus? Because like, hold on, like, I got to say, I'm not rejecting Jesus. Let's, let, let me show you three examples why there's so much fear uh, in your day a lot of time. First one would be this. Imagine if I told you tomorrow you have to do heart surgery on somebody you really love. You would tell me, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Like, I'm, not, I'm not qualified. Like, like how would I do I, I didn't go to school for eight years. I don't even know like, how to do heart surgery. I don't know how to do a triple bypass. But I'm saying, no, yo, 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 hey, hired you. It's your job. Tomorrow you show up or else it's over. Would you be stressed out for the rest of the day? Yes. Would you stress out for tomorrow? Yes. What has happened is, is that you have hired yourself to do heart surgery for yourself and your friends. You're trying to do, and the reason why you're so stressed out is you are not equipped to do spiritual heart surgery for yourself or your friends. You have not allowed Jesus to say, here's actually how your heart operates. Say yes to this, say no to this, forgive. I don't want to forgive. Well, then you're rejecting me. But if you forgive, you're going to have peace. And so, so what you have done is there ain't no bad, the worst hire, I've been a boss for a handful of years, uh, even when I was an executive pastor, there's nothing worse than a bad hire. Like when you hire somebody, you're like, oh, this is just, this doesn't fit. The worst hire you've ever hired is yourself to be in charge. It's just not the right fit. And so when you hire yourself for an unqualified job to be your own prince of peace, to be the one that actually does things that you can't do, you get really stressed out. Amen? Amen. That would be you trying to be autonomous. You, are, you cannot fix it. Another way to look at it, how we reject God personally would be, um, imagine being five years old again, and you're walking around Broadway Plaza, and your parents are you know, shopping for Christmas, and uh, you're kind of bored, and you're like, can I just go do my own thing? Just, just let go of my hand, and let me just go I'll walk around Broadway Plaza. I've been here a number of times. I'll be fine, mom and dad. And can you imagine your mom and dad going, Okay. And then you're like, oh, this is, this is crazy. Can you imagine like Broadway Plaza, like a little five-year-old walking around like, hey, what's up? Hey, good to see you. Hey, 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 hey howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> you know? And you're like, who's with that five-year-old? And maybe, just maybe for the first few hours, you'd be having a good time as a five-year-old. You'd walk straight to that little play area that has those two weird dinosaurs at the Broadway <laughs> Plaza. And you're like, I guess kids find this fun. I'm like, that's what we have to offer these kids is two weird dinosaurs. <laughs> And you're like, I'm on the dinosaur, doing nothing, okay. Um, and then you walk to the Ray-Ban store, and they're like, and you're like, I want those. You're like, where's your money? Like, oh, never mind, see you later, you know. Um, and as it goes on, what happens if you ran into somebody scary? What if you ran into somebody that wanted to kidnap you, destroy you, and you're five? What do you do? You cry for your parents. The reality is, is that a lot of you have said, God, I don't want to roll with you right now. I want to go do my own thing. And at first, it's fun doing your own thing. I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. But then you meet an enemy that's too big for you, and your parents are nowhere to be found because you have strayed from the one that is to protect you and give you peace. And that's you being autonomous. And you're saying, well, how do I stay close to my God then? Cliffhanger. We'll share that at the very end. Third thing I want to share with you is simply this is a lot of people, why they don't have peace is they're control freaks. Oh, they're just control freaks. They just, 
they, when they don't have control over something, they just stress out. And so they, what they try to do is control, uh, kind of put this life together where they control everything and everyone around them, and then they feel like they have this, what I call, intermittent peace. Everything's fine. Now, it's not fine. Now, it's fine again. It's fine. It's not fine again. And the reality is, is that you will find things that you can control, and you can control intermittent peace. But storms will come, and things will come that you can't control, that are too big for you. And until you find the one that's bigger than the storm, you will always be stressed out and never have peace. Amen? Amen. So, so that's, that's the first problem, is, is we have um, not allowed the one that's supposed to sit on the throne, sit on the throne. Now, let's look at this. So we talked about our inner peace problem. Let's talk about the outer peace problem now. So inner peace, that's our own inner peace. Let's talk about America. <laughs> the divided states of America. It's the new term. I've literally heard, like, you know, like, not it's in the United States anymore, it's the divided states. I, I've only been alive 40 years, but I never thought I'd hear this, Civil War talk. Um, this week, San Bernardino County, the biggest county in California, one of the biggest counties in America, just voted to succeed California. Succeed, excuse me, uh, California. They want to leave. Like, there is so much unrest, political unrest, um, civil unrest. Like, it is just everybody's at war with everything. And so, what happened? How did that happen? So something we have to understand here is, is if we're going to find the solution to the problem, we first have to diagnose what the problem is. And the problem with us right now is we have misdiagnosed the problem. Um, I just read this article this week. I wasn't going to put this in my message. And I saw like, this actually fits in my message. This is, this is, this is crazy. It was uh, front page news. Um, top three leading killer in hospitals is being misdiagnosed. Wow. Top three. Over a quarter million people die every year. They come into a hospital. They have something wrong with them. The ER misdiagnoses them, does not catch a stroke, does not catch a heart attack. It's, it's, a, it's a symptom that's not the usual symptom with it. They send them something else, give medicine for something else, and then they die of the thing that they were trying to get fixed up. My dad, when he was 51 years old, goes into the doctor, was having chest pains, and the doctor says, you have heartburn, go home. The next day we go to a water park, he goes down a speed slide and has a heart attack. He was having angina attacks, small heart attacks leading up to a big heart attack. He was misdiagnosed. Thank you, Jesus, that he got saved on the table when they uh, put the stent in. But the reality is, is that this happens all the time in hospitals. So this shows me that diagnosis is life and death. That when you diagnose the wrong problem, you go for the wrong solution. And so we have problems right now in our nation, problems in community, and we are diagnosing the wrong problem, and so therefore, we are giving it the wrong solutions. So let's look at scripture and have scripture show us what the real problem is and what the real solution is. Does that sound good? Romans 1 says this, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Stop. The, the, the word abandoned is a terrible translation in the English. The Greek word literally means to hand over. It, it's the picture of taking somebody's hand and handing their hand to somebody else's hand. So it's saying that the people that were supposed to be rolling with God was rejecting him. And God is not a God saying, I'm locking the door. You stay in this house. I'm not letting you leave. 
No, they were kicking and screaming, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I don't want to worship you, God. I want to do these things. And the picture is this guy took their hand and said, okay, and gives their hand to the other one. This is the picture that is happening in Rome. He says, okay, I'm not going to squeeze your hand. I'm not going to make sure that you, if you want to go live this life, I'm going to give you over to the other. And you're going to have to figure out, just like the prodigal, that the world has nothing for you. And you're going to learn by pain instead of wisdom, pain instead of love. And so this is the picture. So God says, all right, you want to go do whatever your flesh wants you to do? I'm going to hand you over to that. And here's what happens when that happens. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other, uh, each other's bodies. They traded the truth about, God's, uh, about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. We traded our creator for creation. We traded the supernatural for the natural. Let me read you what I wrote down. We took good things and made them God things, which makes a lot of bad things. It just made a lot of bad things. Now, no, 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 check this out. We were built to worship God. We were built to be eternal beings. And once you trade the creator for creation, you have to find something to be your higher power. So I wrote down the symptoms of this problem. Tell me if I'm a little on. Okay, here we go. So the first one is this. Uh, government replaces God. Why? Because it's the highest power you know of. Let's go to the second one. Politics become religion. I'd submit to you that California is the most religious state in all the U.S. <laughs> Not a Christian religion, but it's the most religious. Taking politics so seriously. Think it's the savior of the world. So politics become the religion. Rallies become worship services. You go in the next Trump rally? You go in the next this rally? They become worship services. Um, candidates become saviors. Oh, if you give out, you're going to save us. Because politics are really, now the candidate's my savior. Campaigns become evangelistic rallies. If I go to this city and I get a few more to say yes to me, to be their savior and save them from what's ever going on, this is what's happening. We stop believing in demons. When you trade the supernatural for the natural, you stop believing in demons because there's no such thing there. And what do you do? You demonize the opposition. They become the evil of the world. When you idolize, you demonize. So it says they created idols in Romans 1. So when you cream idols and you idolize something, anybody against your idol becomes the demon of that idol. So when you idolize, you demonize. We no longer cast out demons in darkness because we don't believe in the supernatural. Here's what we do. We now cancel the person because we've diagnosed that they are why the world is dark. Instead of casting out demons and saying, Satan, the Bay Area is no longer yours. We say, get all of this political party out of here, God, and it's going to be fine. Because when you start to process the natural, you don't fight the same battle anymore. You're fighting people instead of actually fighting the principality. Don't you know the Bible says in Ephesians that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, demons of the unseen world? But if you don't know that anymore and you've traded that, you start canceling people and you say, if we could just get this person off of Twitter, we'll make Twitter brighter. We can just get this person off of this, we'll make this brighter. Because they're darkness, we're not darkness. Let's keep going. Am I accurate all yet? A little accurate? It's a lot accurate. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, number 10, we now cancel person. Number 11, social punishment replaces eternal punishment. Riots replace revival. God is a creator. Okay, let's remember that. But Satan is a perverter. 
Satan counterfeits. You got to remember, Satan's a counterfeiter. He's not, he's not trying to do something super different. He's just trying to take what God did and go. Okay, so, so Satan counterfeits. If you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you're led by an unholy spirit. The Bible throughout, Timothy and James, says that these people are influenced by demonic spirits and forces. And the things that they do is hate, destroy. They live for their body. They live for pleasure. They live for themselves. So, so, so what happens when you're not led by the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is represented by a dove in the Bible. Do you know that? You know what a dove symbolizes? Peace. So, so let's look at this. The Holy Spirit builds life-giving communities. The bond is a shared love. The reason why we are together in this room is because there is a shared love that we love Jesus and we love people. That's why we're in the room. We're not in this room because we all have the same political beliefs. We're not in this room because we all have the same um, economic uh, history or economic uh, stature today. We're not in this room because we all have the same race. We're not in the room because we all have the same civil and uh, preferences. No, we're in this room for one reason, because of Jesus. And so that the Holy Spirit unifies people through love. Now let's look what the unholy spirit does. The unholy spirit builds mobs looking to still kill and destroy. Their bond is a shared hate. Going to leave that there with you. When you reject the God, when you reject that God is the solution and we're the problem, you move to you're the problem and I'm the solution. You lose the horizontal line of the standard. You make a new horizontal line to a vertical line. What's that mean? In Romans, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you don't have the creator anymore, because right now there is a, there is a standard, there is a line. God is perfect, and below that standard, all of us. All the problem, solution. But if you don't have a horizontal line anymore because you don't believe in the creator, you create a vertical line. We're the good ones, and you're the bad ones. We're the saviors, and you're not. We're the oppressed, and you're, you're the oppressor. We are the victims, and you are the villain. You create this new dynamic because when you lose the horizontal standard of righteousness, you create your new standard, and it's whatever culture tells you it is that year. So we move on from um, all sinners who need a savior to I'm the victim, you're the villain, oppressed and oppressor. The enlightened group, you're the sinner, I'm the enlightened, and all the people must become enlightened. 24, this creates a world of good guys and bad guys, a new wild, wild west. And we are living in a new wild, wild west, not in a way where we're shooting people with guns, but we're shooting them with words. We are destroying them. We think that we're the good cowboy wearing the good white hat and the bad cowboy wearing the black hat, just like all the old westerns, because, you know, they uh, didn't have sound yet, so they had to go, like, how do we show it? Well, the the good cowboys have the white hat, and the bad cowboys have the uh, black hat. So the reality is, is we all had the black hat, and only one had the white hat, and his name is Jesus. And until we diagnose the problem is that people just don't know Jesus yet, we'll never give them the right solution. We will never have peace on earth. We're not going to have peace on earth when California becomes, if you're a Republican, a full Republican state. And if you're a Democrat, we're never going to have full peace in California if it's a pure Democratic state and run with all your Democratic views or your Republican views. The only way we're going to have peace is if people fall in love with Jesus and become more like Jesus. And all this bandwidth spent on all these other things. No wonder there's so, so much civil unrest. But we as people who know the Savior, we are not going to treat the problem uh, the same way the world does. We're going to love people. We're going to serve people. Can I, can I just tell you real quick? The reality is, is that this Christmas season reminds us, and I'm sharing a little of my candlelight services, that Jesus came to earth so that we would actually become like him and permeate the earth. Not that we'd bring agendas. 
I'm going to save the rest of it because I don't want to share my candlelight message right now, but I'm getting excited. Okay. Pause. Okay. Let's go to the peace solution. Let's go to the peace solution. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says this. Don't worry about anything. That word worry uh, is the, uh, that Greek word where it shows to be torn to shreds, to be destroyed about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say pray. pray. Say it with some sense. Say pray. pray. Yeah, say it like that. Come on up. Ten minutes of praying is better than a year's of murmuring. Woo! It's not mine, Charles Spurgeon. I wish. It's always Spurgeon. It's ever a good quote. It's Spurgeon. It's not me, okay? The reality is, is that there's been so much murmuring and not a lot of praying. No wonder you don't have peace. So it says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Stop. I love that word guard. Now, if you know the Greek uh, representation, of guard, it would literally be a base having a whole army around it. That's the, they, they use the strongest verbiage right here. So imagine being inside a base, a whole army around it, and you, gotta, you need to go to bed, and you're like, I can sleep like a baby. I have the greatest army around me. Ain't nothing coming in these walls. That, that's what that picture is showing. Like, when you start to pray, you realize that God sends his army to protect you. Everything's going to be okay. So that's the picture of guard. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's read the last part. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then, everybody say then. Then the God of peace will be with you then you are not rejecting the Prince of Peace no longer. You are actually enthroning the Prince of Peace in your life. So I got five things on how you, um, the solution to peace, the, the way that you receive the Prince of Peace. First one is this, is you need to change your expectations. That's something you need to start practicing. Number two is you need to think. Number three, you need to thank. Number four, you need to focus. Um, and that's all. I got four. I was going to have five, but you know, who cares? Um, so first one. Uh, first thing you need to do if you want to have peace is you need to change your expectations. You need to change your expectations. This man, Paul, we know, I I taught on Philippians a little while ago. Uh, He is writing from a prison cell awaiting death. And he's talking about peace and joy in this book. How does he do it? Let's just just play this out practically. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, expectations are everything. If I told you um, that uh, we booked you a room, um, you know, uh, I don't know, in Monterey, and I said that it was the presidential suite and you opened the door, and it looked like a Motel 6, would you be upset? Because I gave you expectations that were up here, and you got here. But imagine this. I said, hey, we're going on a marriage retreat, but the rooms are like a prison cell, like, like a cot, not even a real toilet kind of thing. That's what we got. We're sorry. We're on a budget. And then you open the door, and it was a Motel 6. You'd be like, wow. Oh, you're spoiling me, aren't you? Because your expectations were here. And you got this. Now let's, let's keep going with this thought real quick. What if I told you, hey, we're going to Maui. We're going to go for two weeks. We're going to have a retreat there. Maybe plan another campus. You know, we got Napa, Tahoe, and Maui so far. Um, this is a really powerful service today. A lot of going down. What happened to church today? They announced three new campuses. Um, so, so I say, pack up. We're going to Maui for two weeks. And you pack your bags. And we get on the plane. And I forget to tell you that I changed my mind and I wanted to go to Nebraska instead. And so you get off the plane and you've got your little big old hat 
and you've got your little, you know, Hawaiian shirt and shorts and flip-flops and your suitcase and you walk off and it's a snowy blizzard. You're going to look at me and be like, what the what? This is not mountain. I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell you, we're going to Nebraska. You would be so upset. Yes? You wouldn't be packed for it. Yes? Here's what happens when a lot of Christians get saved. If you want to say yes to Jesus, raise your hand. Say yes to Jesus. And their expectations are, I just said yes to Jesus. I just said yes to Maui for the rest of my life. Everything's going to be perfect now. No struggles. I, I, just, I hear myself getting a raise next week already. Yeah. I'm single. I said yes to Jesus. I see the new girl right there. She's going to be at Starbucks. God is going to literally have her float to me as I go buy my drink. Like, ah, I don't know why I'm walking up to you, but the Lord told me to tell you you're my new husband. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, this is great. Like, this is, this, is, this is what a lot of Christians, when they say yes to Jesus, they don't say it, but they have these expectations that I said yes to you, everything's going to be great. The reality is, though, the Lord said here on earth that we'd be at a war, that he came to leverage everything that was bad and to make it good for us and then for his glory. But a lot of us, we have packed up spiritually and emotionally like we're living in Maui when God said, you better pack up with prayer. You better pack up with some confidence and faith. You better put some strength in there, some endurance in there. You better put some trust in there. And if not, you are not going to enjoy the ride. You will never have peace. It's amazing. You know, I, I heard uh, my buddy tell me he was in uh, um, New York and these taxi cab drivers uh, ran into each other. Literally, rear end. They both just kept driving. Yep, see you later. <laughs> the guy's like, what? Are you, what? He's like, this is New York. You people run into us. That's what we do. I was like, I, this happened like four hours ago. It is what it is. We're same company. I don't care. And they're like, can you imagine if somebody ran into you in Walnut Creek? Would you be like, uh, see you later. Bye. No, you're like, this doesn't happen in Walnut Creek. We don't, you get, get out. We change papers. Are you, are you the witness? You know, like, I mean, we'd go off. <laughs> but if you're a neuro, ca, ca, uh, taxi cab driver, you are ready to get bumped into. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are ready for shots to be fired. You're ready to go to war. You're ready to pray. You better change your expectations. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to finish with these last three. These ones will be quick. Second thing you need to do is you need to think. You need to think and you need to thank. So the world's peace is interesting. The world's peace comes from closing their eyes. But Christian peace comes from opening their eyes. And what I mean by that is the only way that we can find peace in this world if we're not a believer is just turn the news off, turn off the world, everything's fine, I'm not going to process it, I'm going to, out of sight, out of mind. But Christian peace comes from actually opening your eyes. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, Christian peace is the only reasonable peace there is. He goes on to say, um, the world tells you uh, the peace comes from don't think too much. The world's peace is always irrational. The Christian peace is the most rational of it all. He goes on to say, Christian peace is the only constant thing, and the world's peace is the only intermittent thing, because Jesus is constant. Now, catch this real quick. When you are in Philippians, it says, think about these things, right, true, think about who Jesus is. So if I'm a kid and I'm scared of my room, I've got a couple options. Um, I'll overshare, but when I was a kid, I was scared of vampires for some reason. Now, I can tell you, not some reason, my parents let me watch any movie, and I watched a vampire movie when I was seven, and it destroyed me. It's like a scary radar vampire movie, like 
And I remember like, I didn't want to go outside anymore, take the trash out. I remember I had to make sure my blinds were perfectly shut. I'd make sure my blanket was all the way up past my neck. So if a vampire <laughs> peeked in the door or the window, he wouldn't be able to see my neck and be like, okay, no, I don't want that one. And so, so for years, I was afraid of vampires. What an irrational fear. The way that I coped with it, a lot of times is I would even be worried if they saw my face. So I'd take the blanket and I would put it over my head. And sometimes I'd be even too scared there to where I'd go sneak in my parents' bedroom. And I'd tell them, you know, like I had a bad dream or something like that. And really what happens in our life is you're either going to try to ignore stuff and create mechanisms or you're going to think on what is true and what is good and what is right. And when you start to think about those things, what happens is, is you realize I've been having this mechanism of pulling a sheet over my head to try to have me have peace. And the Lord says, if you actually think about it, what I've promised you, you would actually realize I've never left the room. If I told my dad, I'm, I, I watched a scary movie, I'm afraid, and I don't want to go to sleep. And my dad said, I'll sit right here all night. And even when you fall asleep, I'm not leaving. Even when you wake up to use the bathroom, I'll be right here. I'll sleep in this chair. I'll let it be one. You can, you can, grab, you can grab my hand anytime you need me. I would sleep like a baby. And what Philippians is saying is you got to think about it this way. You got you to picture it this way. It goes on to say, not only do you need to think about these things, but you need to thank God for these things. And the thank thing's interesting. It says to thank God for these requests. Now, I don't know about you, but the very simple way that we uh, thank people in our world is you request something, I'll have my meal, they give you the meal, and then you say thank you. You don't request the meal and say, thank you so much. Like, I haven't given you anything yet. Why would you say thank you? But what the Bible shows us is that when we request something, we say thank you why we're requesting. Because when we say, let's put it this way. I mean, let me give you like a prayer out of that look. God, I ask you for this church building. And I thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. And if that's a no, it's because here's what I know that God shows us. That if I knew everything that you knew, I would want what you would decide, not what I would decide. And so when you start to thank God and thank him for the request, even before it's done, it just gives you peace about the situation. Gives you peace about how it's going to play out. God, I ask you that you would do this work in this land at this time. But I'm so thankful that your timing's perfect. God, would you please take me out of the oven, but I thank you that I'm in it because you're not going to leave me in too long. You're developing things that I didn't know I needed to develop. You're taking things away from me that I didn't know needed to be taken away from me. The Bible shows very clearly that Romans 1, that God at least says that he uses all things for our good and for his glory. Can you imagine on the day of Jesus' crucifixion of walking up to the disciples and walking up to the a few believers that were there at the cross to say, it's all going to be all good. You would almost sound heartless at that moment, yes? But the crucifixion is the epitome of God working all things for the good of man and for the glory of his kingdom. And all of us are going to experience some crucifixion days. We're like, how in the world can Jesus, like you would be present, Jesus, when you were alive, you were healing people, you were, you were teaching, you were kind, you were loving, and now you're leaving. Like you would use all these natural reasoning, not supernatural, natural reasoning on why this is bad. Can you imagine if they would have just given themselves a couple days to see, maybe three, how about that? To see what would play out and be like, I have no idea that greatness could come out of something so dark. And when you're in a dark season, you got to remember, greatness will come out of it. I'm not here to tell you how it's going to happen, but I'm here to tell you those scripture promises, and God's done it over and over again. So you got to thank Him when you're asking. Amen? I'm going to finish with this. 
So it's not enough to think about it, not enough to thank God about it, but you need to focus on what is lovely. It says to think about what is lovely and admirable. What he's trying to communicate there is, it's not enough just to think about God, you need to love God. And he goes, when you start to think about the things you love, and you start to think about the things that you really hold dear, it starts to transform really what is small in this world and what is big in the kingdom. When you start focusing on what is lovely, and that's God's presence, and it's God's people, and it's the kingdom of God coming to earth, and it's heaven coming to earth. You start thinking about th- those kind of things. It just changes really how you process what is big in your day. Now, it is a Christmas series, so I feel like I, I got to finish with this verse. It says this in Matthew 1. All this uh, occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. All Philippians is telling you is that over and over again, Philippians is not a prayer about removing things. Philippians is a prayer about adding things. It goes on to say that if you add all these things, so, so, so peace isn't the absence of something, but the presence of someone. And this next week, instead of trying to remove people that annoy you or remove things that are frustrating you, how about you add all the things God called you to add to your soul and see what happens? Peace isn't about removing, it's about adding. Will you bow your heads with me? Oh, it's your first time or second time in church. Some of you never said yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell. But you want to say yes to Jesus today. You want to say yes to salvation. With every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say yes to Jesus. It's a very simple response. We're going to ask you to raise your hand. The Bible's clear there must be a response, and we're going to pray with you. And on the count of three, if you just felt this tug in your heart, man, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to say yes to salvation. I want to say yes to following God and not myself anymore. If that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, on the count of three, you want to say yes to Jesus. Raise it up, raise it high. One, two, three. Raise it up, raise it high. If you want to say yes to Jesus. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you on the right-hand side. That's a great decision. Come on now. Hands all over. God bless you. Come on. Will you guys stand up? We're going to pray. Next Saturday is candlelight. Oh, my goodness. Who's inviting a friend? Okay. Good job, 10 people. (laughs) Statistically, it's like the most like Christmas candlelight. Statistically, I don't know how this is. It's actually a higher rate of people coming than Easter Sunday. So maybe, just maybe you should invite somebody. And maybe maybe we're going to have standing room only. Who cares? It's only an hour service. Uh, It's going to be an amazing thing. But man, think about somebody who needs Jesus. All right, will you uh, uh, bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, come into my life today. I declare you are my Savior today. I declare you are my Prince of Peace. I say goodbye to fear and hello to peace. Jesus, I love you. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.